0: Welcome back Ms. Heo family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how the fruit of the Spirit is evident in the life of a believer, not because they try harder to exhibit the fruit, but because they walk in the Spirit. God produces the fruit of the Spirit when we walk in faith. We have one quick announcement for you. On March 26th, we're going to have a Baptism Sunday. If you have any interest, please reach out to Josh for more info. Also, if you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life.
1: Well, hey, good morning. Is everybody just feeling super blessed by all the snow we're having? Yeah, all right. So I, told, I said last week that if you're praying for snow, you can just probably just uh, stop that now. So if, you're, if it's you, you know who you are. But I got, I got to tell you, like, winter's going to be over at some point. And I was telling my, my wife the other day, like, I can't even imagine being on the boat and sun and hot. Can anybody, like, like, it's been so long. We've been in the tunnel, but hang in there. Maybe some of you just need a little encouragement today. It's coming and winter will be over soon. But thanks for being here today. I know the weather's not great. We've had some folks that couldn't be here today. And just a reminder that our sermons are online if you go to Spotify, Apple Music, eh, maybe some other platforms that are, I don't know, Austin does all that for me. Go to, the, go to the website and you can find the sermon links there. So it'll tell you all the platforms. So if you're, if you're not able to join us and you want to continue on with our message series, you can always listen that way. So we're going to continue on in our, our series today. We're almost at the end of Galatians and this is week five and then next week will be the last week of this book. But, you know, when we think about life, is it hard to be good? It's hard to be good, isn't it? Right? It is. It's hard to be good. And we know this. We learn this at a very young age. Kids know this because they go to elementary school and what do they have? They have the little sticker chart, right? Put your stars. How many stars or check marks do you get after your name? Kids know this because they need rewards for being good. You know, They walk down the hall, they do a good deed, and maybe a teacher or administrator will give them a little gift or some kind of a little recognition. And if you're really good, then you become student of the month, right? And then you get something real special. And so kids know this, that um, it's hard to be good. And I volunteer over at Myrie Elementary, and I go over there once a week, and I will tell you that it takes about two minutes on the playground to observe bad behavior. Like, it is not hard to find kids acting up. Kids are hitting each other. They're yelling at each other. They're taking the ball, and they're breaking all the rules. They're climbing on the snow hill that they're not supposed to be on. And, oh, man, I feel sorry for some of those recess monitors because they have a hard job. And so I run around out there and play with the kids. But, man, that, and, and not picking on myri. I think any elementary school, you'll find that. Recess is the place where bad behavior comes out. And the reason that it's easy for us to be bad or kids to be bad, to act, act out, is because it comes natural. It's our sinful nature. The Bible calls it our flesh. So we are born with sin. We don't have to learn how to sin when we're brought into this world. Parents, can I get an amen? Your kids know how to sin? Amen. amen. <laughs> no arguing with that. Like, it's, it's natural. We're born with sin into this world thanks to our great, 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 maybe a few more great, grandparents, Adam and Eve. They messed up. They blew it. They brought sin into the picture, and sin has been in our world ever since, and it plagues us. And so we're born with this propensity to do the wrong things, to act out, to disobey God. And being good is hard. It's hard. And so we've been in this series in the book of Galatians, and uh, we've been talking a lot about grace, and I hope that Maybe you're understanding grace a little bit more. Today we're, we're moving into chapter 5. So if you want to get into Galatians chapter 5, if you have a Bible, you can get there. And today's passage is a little different. It's um, what we like to call the fruit of the Spirit passage. And so if you've grown up in church, Sunday school, you know what I'm talking about. The fruit of the Spirit, right? We, we All these little songs. And if you grew up in Sunday school, you maybe made the little paper mache Apples and oranges and bananas or or maybe you glued some macaroni to a paper plate and painted it. <laughs> like, right? Like the kids get to have all the fun in the kids' ministry. But I would be willing to bet that somebody here probably knows the fruit of the spirit off the top of their head. Does anyone have that memorized? Say it out loud. Fruit of the spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Oh, let's give him a hand. Good job, Leroy. So yeah, it's a very well-known passage. People memorize it. It's it's good, right? But the thing is, we've probably heard it a lot, but my hope today is that as we work through this passage in Galatians, that maybe you'd see it in a slightly different way, that maybe God would open our hearts to something new today as we come across a familiar passage. And maybe you've never heard that before. Well, it's good news for you too, because it applies to all of us and to all of our lives. And so we're going to read this, Galatians 5. Verse 16 through 26. If you have a Bible app, you can do that. Otherwise, we have it on the screen. You can follow along. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident There's a simple solution for that. Walk by the Spirit. Paul says the walking by the Spirit is the solution. Easy peasy, right? We just walk by the Spirit and everything's fixed, everything's good. Well, we know that's not true, that it's hard to walk by the Spirit sometimes because we get in the way. We get in the way of what God wants to do through us. Verse 17 says that our flesh, remember that old part of us, the sinful nature? that it opposes the Spirit, and the, and the flesh and the Spirit oppose each other. And they lead to very different places, by the way. If we live in the flesh, that leads to pain and suffering and ultimately death. Like, it, it's bad for us. The flesh is bad for us. The Spirit takes us down a different path. The Spirit gives us freedom and life and all that list that Leroy mentioned, the love and joy and peace and all the good stuff that God intends for us. So let's talk about the Spirit for just a minute. Before we can talk about walking in the Spirit, we have to understand what is the Holy Spirit doing and and how how does He get there? Last week, we talked about how when we are adopted into the family of God, there's a a, a spiritual birth that takes place. We're adopted into the family, and it says in um, Galatians 4, verse 6, and because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So when a person comes to faith in Jesus, we put our faith and our trust in Him and His finished work on the cross, we become part of the family. We're adopted in. We're now a son or a daughter of God. And God says, this is how you're going to know you're my son or daughter. I'm going to put my spirit, the third person of the Trinity, says, I'm going to put my spirit in you, in your heart. He's going to dwell there. And not only is He going to dwell there, He's going to cry out, Abba, right? That intimate relationship with God. And so the Holy Spirit comes into the life of a believer when we place our faith in Jesus. So we talk about bearing the fruit of the Spirit. You can't bear fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit. Seems kind of simple, right? But we have to have the Holy Spirit inside of us in order to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And we get the Holy Spirit as we place our faith and trust in Jesus. So pretty simple, but it's important to point that out. And so we can also argue that, well, a person, if they're an unbeliever, if they don't know Jesus, if they don't have the Holy Spirit, they can still uh, show some of the attributes from that list, right? Love, joy, people that don't know Jesus can still love, people that don't know Jesus can still have some joy. And the reason for this is because every human being was created in God's image, called the Imago Dei. The image of God. So we are God's image bearers. And even if we're sinful and broken and don't know Jesus, there's still remnants of God's nature and character. And so we can see that. However, somebody who doesn't have the spirit living within them is very limited. They're not going to have the same kind of love and joy and peace that a person who knows Jesus has. The person who has the spirit is going to bear that so much more, so much greater. Okay, But here's the bottom line. All humans are sinful at our core and without God we have no hope. So we need help because left to our own, we can't manage our junk. We can't manage our stuff. Our propensity is to go to the list that we talked about, like the the ugly stuff, the naughty stuff. That's where we want to go because our flesh takes us there. And we long for God to come and fill our heart and to help us. Blaise Pascal said, He called it, you've probably heard this, the God-shaped vacuum. We have a God-shaped hole in our heart and we long for something. We don't even know what it is sometimes. It's like, oh, it's you, God. I I need you to come into my heart and fill me up and and heal my broken heart and walk with me through this life. Otherwise, we try to fill that that spot in our heart with all the wrong things. We, We try to put relationships in there and other people and possessions and money and you know, whatever, pick something. And we try to jam it into that God-shaped hole in our heart. And it doesn't help because our flesh just keeps taking us back to sin and to death. The Apostle Paul knew the struggle between the spirit and the flesh. And he wrote about it in Romans 7. He said, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do do what is wrong. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. So Paul knew this struggle, right, of of the flesh pulling back into the wrong kinds of behaviors. And so this idea of walking in the Spirit is really about living uh, in obedience to Jesus, but it's not about just trying harder. It's about letting the Spirit flow through us and work through us. Paul says if we walk by the Spirit we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So when we allow the Spirit to flow through us, when we walk through the Spirit, then we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Pretty simple. I came across this in one of my commentaries. I wanted to share it. Um, A guy named Max Anders, he says this. In summary, Paul tells us that victory over sin is not the result of living under the law. Instead, it is the result of actively yielding to the Spirit. Therefore, both the first step of salvation and its ongoing steps, sanctification, growth and holiness, are brought about within us by God's Spirit working through faith. To be saved, we must have faith in Christ. To walk in God's ways, we must have faith in the Holy Spirit, for He empowers us to walk in obedience. So Paul, in this passage, he says there's two lists, right? The first list, the naughty list, is the works of the flesh, right? And then the second list is the fruit of the Spirit. And so the first list, Paul really breaks these down into four categories, and he gives us a whole grocery list of things, right? And this isn't every sin under the sun, but it's a pretty good start. And so the first category is sex. He says sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, basically anything that falls into that category of sex that is outside of God's design. Sex is a good thing. It was designed by God, given to us as part of our humanity. But it's meant to be between one man, one woman, in a marriage relationship. That's God's definition of our sexuality. Anything outside of that brings hurt and pain and sinfulness, right? The second category is religion. He says idolatry and sorcery. And you might say, well, I don't, I don't worship idols. I don't have any little statues at home in my little shrine. But many of us, we still worship idols, don't we? We can worship all kinds of things. We, we put too much value on them. We give them our heart. That's what worship is. We give our heart to something else other than God. We're, we're worshiping idols. We're all guilty of this. Sorcery is anything contacting, you know, reaching out to spirits. It might be like tarot cards or Ouija boards or... psychic or whatever, all of that kind of stuff, reaching out to the spiritual realm outside of God falls into that category of sorcery. Again, works of the flesh. Third category is relationships. Paul says enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. That's a lot of stuff. But it's all relational stuff, isn't it? It's that category of... uh, Having problems with other people, drama. Anyone have any drama in their relationships? It's not good. These are sinful behaviors that destroy relationships between people. Paul says these are the works of the flesh. And then the fourth, I'm calling nightlife, drunkenness, orgies, and he says things like these. So substance abuse, getting drunk, drugs, um, sex, like medicating, medicating our heart with something that, like this, that always over-promises and underdelivers. Those types of things won't make us happy, but we medicate our problems with those things, hoping that maybe we'll feel better. All the while, God's saying, I'm right here. You need me. You need the Spirit to come into your heart in order to be made whole. So Paul says that those who live this way will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you can read that and you can say, wow, well, then I guess I better not do the things on that list or I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And this doesn't mean that if a person sins, that they lose their salvation or that they are being cast out of the kingdom. What Paul's doing here is he's, he's giving a, a picture. He's saying these types of, of lifestyle behaviors, that's not life in the spirit. That's, that's a person who doesn't know Jesus. However, the the person who does know Jesus has the fruit of the Spirit. It's kind of a contrasting picture. R.A. Cole says, Paul's whole point is that they which do such things thereby show themselves to be without the transforming gift of faith. So again, we're not trying to make this a do-to-be, like you you have to do these things to be in the kingdom or you don't do these things to be in the kingdom. This is an illustration to say this isn't life in the Spirit. This isn't what it looks like. The, The flesh is in war to the Spirit, all right? Because we still struggle with sin. Anybody in here sinless? I don't see many hands going up. We all still struggle with sin, don't we? It's part of our human condition. We have the sinful nature. And until Jesus returns or He calls us home, we're going to struggle with sin. We have that part of us that still needs to be dealt with. And so it doesn't mean that if we fall into sin, that we're somehow excluded from the kingdom. I just want to be clear on that. So for the Christian, there's still the tension, the pullback to the works of the flesh, right? The idea is that we hopefully see less of those works of the flesh and more of the fruit of the Spirit as we continue to follow Jesus. And so again, that first list is death. The works of the flesh is death. It's pain. The fruit of the Spirit is good, brings life and freedom. And so I think it's important that um, when we think about the list of the fruit of the Spirit too, as I was studying this passage, I realized that it it said the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. And I I read some different commentators on this and they were all saying the same thing that when we have the fruit of the Spirit, we get all of them. When we have the Spirit within us, He brings all of them. So it's not like typically we say, well, I'm reading this passage and I'm not very joyful or I'm not very patient, so I'm going to work on that. How's that going for you? (laughs) Right? Like we say, well, I want to be better at this. So we try harder and it, it just doesn't work. I've tried it. I want to be more joyful. So I put on a smile for a while. And then pretty soon I'm right back to where I was because nothing really changed. And so when we bear the fruit of the Spirit, we get all of them. He brings all the fruit with, right? And so there might be some things in our lives, if I'm lacking joy, there might be a reason for that. And we can use that as a diagnostic to say, well, maybe there's something in my heart that's quenching the Spirit in this area, that's grieving the Spirit in this area, not allowing Him to bear fruit. And so we can use that as a diagnostic, but remember that the fruit of the Spirit, it's a package deal. He brings all of it when He bears His fruit through us. And so if we want to grow in our faith, do we all want to grow in our faith? Anybody here? Raise your hand if you want to grow in your faith. Yeah. We all want to become more like Jesus. We want to grow. That's a good thing. And so we just say, well, walk in the Spirit. See you later. See you next week. Go walk in the Spirit. Good luck with that. But I think there's more to it than that. I think there's an active role that we play in walking in the Spirit. Paul tells us, walk. He tells us to do something. And so we're going to go through an exercise here in just a moment that we call fruit to root. And this is uh, something that I think will be very helpful and practical as we understand how we bear fruit, how we walk in the Spirit. And so we're going to walk through this in just a moment. Um, and we got this from a book called Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt. So this isn't our idea, but some of you have gone through the circle exercise. And just a kind of a pro tip, this is really the circle with different uh, format. So we'll just wait to put that up for just a minute here and... Because I want want us to understand that bearing fruit has less to do with trying harder and more to do with believing better. So less to do with trying harder, white knuckling, and I gotta be more joyful, gotta be more patient. And it has more to do with believing better, okay? And I'm gonna show you what that means in just a moment. So if you think about a tree, uh, what kind of a, fruit does an apple tree produce? Apples, Apples, man, you guys are sharp. (laughs) What kind of tree or what kind of fruit does an orange tree produce? And if you were to ask that tree, is it hard to bear fruit, what would the tree say? We don't know, trees can't talk. That was my cringy dad joke, okay? (laughs) Okay. My son told me that. It was, it was cringy. I had to share it anyway. The trees can't talk, but if they could, they would tell us, no, it's easy because that's what I'm created to do. The tree is created to bear fruit. It's what it naturally does. And guess what? As followers of Jesus, as adopted sons and daughters, it is our natural response to bear the fruit of God, to reflect His image. Right, and so the Spirit naturally wants to bear fruit. It's not about us trying harder to be better. It's about realizing who we are, who God is, who are we as a result, and then walking in that. That's what it's about. Okay, and so um, we're going to put that infographic up on the screen, would you? And we're going to talk about this process. And so I don't know how you guys. I think have some papers. Maybe it's easier to follow that if you can't read this. It's a little blurry, but. The idea is the tree on the left is basically our unbelief. It's our, our, our works of the flesh. And so if we have desire for control, fear, anxiety, worry, those are sinful behaviors, right, or, or coming from a sinful place, and we need to realign that back to what's true, what God says is true. So you see the arrow on the left-hand side, confession of sin. So we move from the fruit, the thing that's in our life that maybe isn't pleasing to God and we move down the tree trunk and then we move over to the tree on the right and we go back up. All right, so we're gonna walk through this. First one, let's, let's say desire for control. We, have, we probably have some controllers in here. I know some of you. I'm a, I like to be in control, so this is me too. Desire for control. So the first question is, who am I? I am not in control, but I believe I need to be. Then you move down. What has God done? I believe he has stopped loving me. I believe he has lost control of what's going on with our children, and he's abandoned me. Again, this is false thinking, false beliefs. And then we ask the third question, who is God? Well, he's unloving, he's impotent, no power, he's absent. We start to believe that when we want to be in control. And so we repent, you see the arrow on the bottom, the repentance. Remember, repentance isn't just feeling bad about sin, it's about correcting false beliefs. It's about turning and following what's true, what God says is true. So we move over to the other tree, and we come up from the bottom. Who is God? This is our confession of faith, by the way. Who is God? He is love. He is powerful and in control. He is present. What has God done? How do we know that to be true? Well, Jesus died for me. He rose again from the dead, and I have the Spirit of God living in me. And then you move up one more. Who am I? I am loved, I'm not alone, I'm more than a conqueror through him. And when we confess that faith and we realign our thinking and our beliefs, then we see the fruit, peace, joy, love. So a desire for control goes through that cycle. And on the other side, I would say it's surrender, it's peace, right? We don't have to be all like wound up about things and we can trust God. And so you see how that works, and and I want to, we're going to do a live example of this. I have a guinea pig. Michael, would you come on up here? Michael's my go-to guy for anything that is a little bit risky. (laughs) Michael's awesome. So we're going to do this little exercise with Michael with a real-life example Because I want this to be practical. I don't want to just talk about the fruit of the Spirit and say, well, just go do better and good luck. But to give you a tool, you know, an an exercise that you can take with, and by the way, uh, I hope you take those papers with and use them, and maybe there's something in your own life you can go through. So Michael, you ready? Why don't you tell them um, where where this started? What was the origin of this issue that we're going to walk through?
2: So Josh and I were meeting um, to talk about some ministry and some leadership stuff, and he challenged me in some growth areas in my life. And in that conversation, I came back to him and I said, Josh, I know I'm doing stuff this way. We're doing well. Um, It's not my fault. Um, I'm performing like I need to. Um, And that's what, what I told Josh in this. And I go home and I'm like, whoa. I was really defensive here of myself. And so I had this fear that I need to perform, I need to be perfect, otherwise Josh isn't going to like me or love me or care for me or allow me to do ministry. And it then opened me to thinking about, I do this at my job. When my boss comes into my office and says, hey, how come you meet this deadline or get this done? It was, well, no, I did everything I needed to do. My, my performance is good. It was so-and-so over here or this thing that happened. And then to lead to this one more, I do this with God. God I go to God and say, God, no, I'm, I'm good, but this situation happened. I'm performing for you to earn your love. So I have this fear that I am going to fail because I am not performing. Write that into one word, please, now.
1: So fear of failure, you could say that, right? Performing is in there, too, but it's really a fear of failure. So Michael, you're going to answer these questions. Michael's going to answer these questions, and then everybody else, we're going to answer the other side, okay? We're going to gospel his heart. We're going to help him out a little bit. So Michael, what are you believing in this sin, this fear of failure? Who are you?
2: I believe that I don't need to be perfect, but I need to be better than most people in order to be loved or cared for.
1: So could we say you're the sum of your performance? So what has God done?
2: God has given us the law. God has put this list in front of me that I need to be perfect at in order to receive his love.
1: So we could say God has expected perfection. Or expected, is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. All right, so who is God?
2: Well, God is just a judgeful person.
1: So he's a judge. Um, I would
2: say an unfair
1: judge. Is that, or maybe he's uh, expecting.
2: He's unloving, unloving because if I'm not perfect, how am I going to get love from him? How am I going to get to be blessed from him?
1: Okay, cool. So Michael is down in this repentance mode. He's recognized that this isn't right, right? That this this thinking is off. So again, you might feel bad about it, but repentance is more than just feeling bad. Repentance is saying, no, that's wrong. I need to turn and correct my false beliefs. And we need to come over here to the other side. give myself a little more room here. And we're gonna move back up the tree and we're gonna say, who is God? So this is where we apply truth to Michael's situation.
2: Can I add something before yeah. we go here? Because we did talk a little bit about this. We're having you participate because, and I've, I've gone through this. When I go through this, I'm connected over here. And I don't always see where Josh is going to be asking you questions. And this is why we encourage you to do this with other people. Because it's hard for me to get over here to see this without somebody also helping me and pointing me to that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's meant to, meant to be. You know we benefit from each other, right? When we speak truth. Okay. So the first one, who is God? And Michael, remember keep keep this all in, in mind. We don't want to just go, well, God's, you know, creator. Well, yeah, he's a creator, but that has nothing to do with this. So try to keep this in mind: the fear of failure, and who is God, in in light of Michael's situation. Okay. For oh, Jesus, good, great, gracious, and glorious. That's all true. But that's a lot. Let's just drill it down to one thing: Who is God? Is this who God is? Is He a judge, an unloving judge? So, who is God? Gracious. Okay, we got a lot of them now. Um, what do you say? Loving. I'm going to say loving and gracious. How about that? Okay, so He's loving and gracious. What has he done to show that's true? How do we know that? We could just say that all day long. Has he done anything to prove that? Sent Jesus. Sent Jesus. That's a pretty big one. What else? Maybe more specific for Michael. Maybe you answer this. In your own life. How, do you, how do you, have you known this to be true?
2: Man, now you put me on the spot. I didn't prepare for that. How do you know he's loving and gracious? Have you experienced that in your life? Um, You know, we, we just adopted our son. And to think of a God as being unloving and gracious would mean, if I'm living this way, because remember I said I don't think God can bless me. That is a huge blessing that he's given us his son. So I know that he has to be loving and gracious if he's going to give us a son.
1: So we'll just say blessed. You've been blessed. And by the way, your your salvation's kind of a big big one there too, like but but that's true, that's true, okay, so moving up, so who am I? Who is Michael in light of all this? Child of the king. He's a child of God. Accepted. Exactly. He's accepted. I she said, as is as is like that yeah accepted as is that's who Michael is and when Michael lives this way when he believes all of this is true what kind of fruit does he bear I'll let you answer that
2: what were my choices again
1: I don't know you tell me
2: uh can I say all of them because didn't you say that like this is an all true true Um, Let me think this. I would say peace is probably the biggest one because I am not at peace when I feel like I have to perform. Um, So to, to be at peace to say, I don't have to perform to do anything to get this.
1: Yeah, any other thoughts? Any other fruit that you think that produces living with all of this? What tree are you? A peace tree? Peach tree. Oh,
2: okay. Settle down and just go, hey, God is
1: in control. I can trust. Well, you're free to just bear the fruit, right? Yeah, we're not trying. It's, it's going to come naturally. But I think over here, if there's a fear of failure, again, if we're walking by the flesh, we're not going to see the peace, right? But when we go through this process, then the peace shows up because the Spirit brings it. So, thanks, Michael. Let's give him a hand. What a brave guy. And so I think it's important as we wrap this up to remember that grace is the underpinning of all of this, right? Paul talked a lot about grace, and it's not about legalism or law. But in order to grow and to walk in the Spirit, there's a part for us to play. There's something for us to do. And so we, we have tools like this to identify, how do, I, how do I trust God more? How do I reflect Jesus more and grow in my discipleship? And I also think it's important to remember that we can get very, like, harsh and judgy with people if we're not careful. If we don't have a culture of grace, then we can get really hard on people with this. And we're like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You should. And then it becomes very legalistic again, if we're not careful. And so my heart for this church and for this group of people is that we live in a culture of grace. I need grace. I hope you'll show me grace when I mess up, because I will, and I do. And I wanna show you grace, and I hope you show each other grace, because we all need it. And that's what life is like in the family. That's God's design for the family. The last couple verses of our text Said, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So walk in grace. Believe what's true about God and about yourself as a result. And that's how we walk in the Spirit. That's how we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Because when we're walking in the Spirit, we don't want the flesh, we don't want that list. And God is able to bear His fruit through us. And that is good news. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank You so much for Jesus. Thank You for sending Him to this world for us. And Lord, every time we are reminded of our place in Your family, that we are Your sons and Your daughters, it is so humbling. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be forgiven. We don't deserve grace but you shower it on us over and over and for eternity we'll be living in your grace. And so Lord, we worship as a response to who you are and what you've done for us. We sing songs of praise, but God, may it not stop here. May it continue throughout the week. May we live with a sense of awe and wonder of who you are and what you've done for us. And may we be eager to tell the world around us How awesome it is to know you. How awesome it is to have a relationship with you. And God, I pray for anyone in this room who doesn't know you as their Savior that maybe today is the day of salvation for them and they can realize that it's a free gift. We just receive it. We can stop trying so hard. We can stop beating ourselves up. We can rest in who you say we are. Deeply loved and forgiven by you. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this group of people. And we now worship you as our response. Amen. you stand?
0: Josh left us with a few takeaways from the service. Walk by the Spirit. All humans are sinful at their core, and without God, have no hope. If we walk by the Spirit... We will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Two list, We have the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh are categorized in four groups. Sex, religion, relationships, and nightlife. Fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit includes love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we walk by the Spirit, we bear all the fruit. They are not split up, but all are evident in the life of a person walking in the Spirit. Fruit to Root Walking in the Spirit has a lot less to do with trying harder and a lot more to do with believing better. You can hear Josh talk through the fruit to root exercise with Michael. Discussion questions When we desire to have control, we ask these questions Who am I? What has God done? Who is God? But when we repent and recognize what's true and correct of our false beliefs, we ask ourselves these questions. Who is God? What has God done? And who am I? Josh asked us to try this at home this week. Think about a behavior in your life that isn't of God but of the flesh and go through the fruit to root exercise. Let this exercise expose an area of unbelief in your life and deal with it based on truth. If you'd like to see the visual diagram, please email Pastor Josh at office at missio.life. Thanks again for listening, Missio family. We'll see you again next week.